warned us that the United States will not survive if she turns away from God. Why is belief in God critical to the survival of our nation? And what happens when a nation turns away from God? How can Christians make a difference in our nation? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Listen now as Pat and former Lieutenant Governor of Hawaii, Duke Iona, discuss the importance of faith and morality in the life of our nation. They knew what my position was, and I, and I was hoping that it would buy time at least for Again, whether it was the faith community, but just the people who had to rise and say, no, we're going to take a strong stance on this. Marriage will be between a man and a woman. But be it as it may, we are where we are. Now, from what I understand on that particular issue, didn't we vote on that? And, and the people of mm -hmm. Hawaii voted against same-sex marriage. And, and, and what happened there? Yeah, it, you <clears throat> did vote. But I guess you didn't read too well. Because <laughs> it said that amendment that you voted on said the legislature reserves the right to define marriage as between a man and a woman. So when you voted, you thought you voted, okay, that's it. Controversy is over. Issue's over. Marriage is going to be between a man and a woman. No, no, no. You voted to give the legislature the right to define marriage as a man and a woman. And anytime the legislature wanted to change that, they could definitely change it. And that's exactly what happened. So the people who were pushing or were opposed to that knew at that point in time that they couldn't win the, the issue. They knew they couldn't. They knew they couldn't. In other words, if that thing went up as a straight vote without that first part of the sentence being in there, mm -hmm. they would have lost for all times. They were clever enough. The devil obviously was working to insert that into the language. And basically that went over everybody's head. We were in the situation we were in. Fast forward to the year, what was it, 2013 when it was passed or 2010 or 11 when it was passed. You know, one of the things I admire about Christian politicians is you've got to win your opponents over to your side, especially here in Hawaii, if you want to get a bill passed, unlike, you know, what we're seeing on a national scene where the Republicans have a slim majority Mm -hmm. In Hawaii, I mean, the conservatives are vastly outnumbered by the liberals. So if oh, you want to get your agenda through, you've got to win them over. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I admire about uh, the Christian polity. That, that's an incredibly difficult thing. Sort of like what you're doing, right? Yeah. You know, you got to get out there and you got to show, you got to show proof and evidence as to, you know, whatever you're, whatever you were, you're talking about at that time, you know, uh, at that point in time, that God is a benevolent God. Oh, you got to show proof of that. You got wars, you got floods, you got everything. He's a benevolent God. Oh, show me how, uh, Dr. Zook. Yeah. Okay. So it's sort of the same, you, you got the same, the same path basically in Hawaii. And you see, that would wear me out day <laughs> in, day out doing that. How did you manage to find uh, just the strength and the energy to just keep doing that day in and day out. Well, it's like you. I mean, you put your strength isn't from God. It comes from God. It comes from, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit. You know, you call on the Holy Spirit every day to be your advocate and you get out there and do what you do. You're not in this position because, you know, although, yeah, you can say, well, no, I love what I'm doing. Yeah, you love what you're doing because God puts you in this position. Mm -hmm. So it's likewise with people who get in again. I don't call it politics. I call it elected representation, no matter what. Whether you're the president of the United States, the governor of the state of Hawaii, you're an elected representative. 
So it's supposed to be, I admire anybody who gets elected to office and say, I'm not in here for a career. I'm here in here for public service. I think they get it. They understand why they're there because it's not about a career. It's not about money. It's not about benefits. It's not about legacy. So when people talk about, oh, I want a legacy, I have a legacy project. I mean, I hear some supporters ask you that now and then they go, okay, what's your legacy? What's going to be your legacy? I have no legacy. My legacy, if you want to call it that, is for the people of Hawaii. I want to make this the best place on earth for them to live. And that includes all aspects of, uh, of our lives. Yeah, so someone looking to go into politics mm. then, let's say, let's build on what you just said here. What would you advise them? Why should they go into it? First and foremost, uh, is it something that is coming from God? Okay, and, and I want more Christians, obviously, to get involved. And I think they should be involved, especially in today's world. They need to get involved. But it has to come from the Lord above because it's not an easy path. Talk about taking up your cross. You will be taking up your cross. Second and foremost, you know, okay, are you prepared to really defend your principles? And do you have a, you know, a, you know, that was it, the wisdom of, uh, or, or the, the tongue of a dove and, and, you know, and, and the wisdom of, of uh, Solomon. Serpent. Yeah. 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 I mean, do you? Because that's how it's going to have to be without being conniving about it. But you have to be, as you, as you mentioned, you got to win them on your side. You got to get them on your side. How do you get them on your side? Well, you can't get out there and get in their face and start, you know, trying to evangelize because that's not going to work. That's just not going to work. You know, it may for some, but very few, if any. Otherwise, you're going to be looked upon as what? The religious nut, that right, right wing nut, yeah. that Jesus freak, which is what they, they're going to paint you as. And so, yeah, it, it, it takes that. So that's the kind of stuff you're going to have to ask yourself. But first and foremost, really, is this God? This is really where God wants me to be. And I, like I said, I encourage many to get out there. Some, some already have that tendency, right? Some mm-hmm. Christians already have that tendency. <clears throat> oh, I, I want to get, okay, great. Now you just got to confirm that this is where the Lord wants you and then take it. Yes, please get out there. We need them. We need yeah. them. Well, you say that, you know, we need to regain that moral clarity right. in our nation today. How can we go about doing that? That's a huge, huge monumental task before us. No, it is. And, you know, people are recognizing that. And I just read something in the, in, in the paper. I know um, some of your audience may not get this, but you are, I think you have access to the Internet. So you can look it up. This person is his name is Cal Thomas. He's uh, he's known as a conservative. Uh, yeah, he's he, good. Yeah, he, he you know I don't always agree with his positions uh, on his editorials, but on this one I thought he kind of hit it correctly. And this was in regards to the Harvey Weinstein, I guess you could say saga, and writing about that. And you know I, I think he hit it right on the head. He he opens up his column with a passage from Proverbs where he quotes Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. He says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So what he's talking about is restraint, restraint. We have no restraint now. There is nothing that is, that is like, I guess you could say off limits or taboo or anything of that nature. We have basically exhausted that. So uh, I'll read just one part. He says, in an age when we have cast off most restraints, from restrictions on abortion to sanctioning same-sex marriage to normalizing the use of nudity, crude language, and sex in Hollywood films, not to mention wisdom, why is anything off-limits? Who decides where the limits are these days, and on what do they base their decision? 
And I think that's a great summary of, of where and what this Harvey Weinstein was all about. This this what Harvey Weinstein saga was all about. You know, because of my my experience as a as a judge and in particular circuit court judge in domestic violence, I, I understand the victims of domestic violence. You know, you hear it say, "Why doesn't that woman just leave? Why don't she just get out of there? Why does she keep taking the physical abuse and and in most instances both the mental and physical abuse? Because it's not that easy in a marriage situation. It really isn't. Now." Flip that with the Harvey Weinstein thing in regards to, you know, what these women were saying, because some of these women, I don't know, it's like 26 years later, 36 years later, they're talking mm-hmm. about it. And they said, well, I was a victim of his, his authority, that he would ruin my career. Well, you go to this thing about limits, the limit. Okay, well, so what was your limit, you know, victim of, of Harvey Weinstein? Was it the fact that you might not have a Hollywood career? You wouldn't get the kind of money you couldn't get? I mean, was that the limit that you're talking about? That's quite a difference from uh, a woman who is married to someone and really is dependent on that, uh, on that person as opposed to a Harvey Weinstein, right? And, and your principles of, or I should say, just your, your, your being as, of a woman and the fact that you're being abused sexually. That, that's something that I believe should never have a limit or any restrictions on. Something that comes out no matter what. I mean, you, you, you're free to do it. So I, I think he brings it all into that. You know, he brings it in that right perspective. And, and so when we talk about moral clarity, I, mean, I started with uh, that quote from Oswald Chamber in regards to the, the conscious, the difference between what, uh, you know, the, the, the standards of, of just a plain conscience and a standard where you're looking at from the soul and the eyes of the soul looking at God, total difference, right? Total difference in, in, in your standard, your limits of, uh, and your restrictions. Yeah, I think that's where it starts, you know, back to a belief in God and the moral law of God. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. what our founding fathers established, that there's a universal moral law code which we all must abide by. And I think that's got to be drilled in at the family level at the schools, exactly. you know, when, when we've taken those things out of the schools, now we raise up a generation of what Aristotle called the acute rascal, mm-hmm. someone with a lot of intelligence, but not the moral compass in how to use those skills and intelligences that they develop. So I think we're in a very uh, precarious place as a nation, you know, as we you know, continue to move away from God and the moral law of God, as you're saying here. You're absolutely right. And he, and, and he points this out. Remember when he asked the question, who decides where the limits are these days? It, later in his, in his article, he talks about it. He says he calls it a higher authority, but he's talking about God. I guess he was trying to be politically correct. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. he's talking about God. What you said was just spot on. It's exactly right. Family, schools, all of your basic social institutions that are so important. But for me, first and foremost, your family. It starts with the family. And I can tell you, uh, Dr. Z, that um, in my experience as a family court judge, I can tell you right now that, you know, a lot of our young people are coming from an environment where they really don't have a chance uh, because they have either no father or many fathers or no mother and many mothers. And this clarity that they're supposed to get from the mother and and the father are just not there. Or you have a mother and father who are working three to four jobs. I, I agree. I get it. I understand that, you know, to make it economically, 
Some have to work three to four jobs, but don't lose it as a parent. So I'm speaking to parents out there who are saying, yeah, that's right. But don't lose that clarity or that perspective that you have children. And the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts that you have for children is time, spending time with them, right? So don't lose that. Don't lose that. And as a result of that, the child then is missing school, right? Now Mm -hmm. that child becomes a truant. And with truancy comes a lot of mischievous conduct and then maybe juvenile conduct. And, you know, there you go. Juvenile delinquency conduct, I should say. And then uh, there you go. And also another institution, of course, is the church. Oh, You know, and the church, as Augustine said, you know, must function as the conscience of society. How do you feel statewide and nationally? How is the church doing in mm-hmm. influencing the culture and the political arena here in Hawaii and, and nationwide? Good question. Very good question. And I haven't been meek and abat and publicly timid on this in regards. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Catholic, cradle Catholic. I hope I can say and aspire to be a strong Catholic in, in my in my practice of it. I'm not happy with the Pope. I firmly believe that you ask about that. How is the church doing? I think that Pope Francis has has turned it, has flipped it, has flipped his his uh, you know his um, his position, his anointment as a Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, into a political one. I'm not saying you can't uh, you can't speak about political issues. In fact, yeah, I believe the church should do more of it, mm-hmm. and not just the Catholic Church. I believe all of our churches out there, all of our Christian churches, should be more active. I I firmly believe that the Christian vote did make a difference in this past election. I really do. But I'll tell you what, why can't, a, why can't the faith community not just make a, a significant, have a significant impact on an election, but actually control elections? Why? If the numbers they're giving me are accurate, for instance, in Hawaii, they're saying the Christian community is over a quarter of a million strong. When they say strong, this is where they kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't know about how strong, but there's supposedly a, over a quarter of a million people who identify as Christians, whether it be as Catholics, Evangelicals, Protestants, etc. If they were really true to their ideology and, and their, the, the moral teachings of Christ and, that, the, and the, the, the laws of Christ, wow, there's no way we would stand for what we have now on a social level as well as economic, etc. level in government because we're just not there in, in the state of Hawaii. We have the highest homeless population. We have no housing. We have regressive tax structure, right? These, these are all against the teachings of Christ about our Christian values. But why can't we not just influence, but why can't we dictate the elect? Because I really believe our churches are not where they, where they need to be. And, you know, the, the Pope has, has uh, took it upon himself to, to say that in his eyes, the most important issue in the world is the environment. Wow. You know, okay, Pope, mm-hmm. and you're saying you're saying that this this is divine. This is coming from 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 the book, from from the you know from the gospels and the teachings of Jesus Christ. I find offense to that, and I take that as being um, just just not true. But in any event, you ask the question. I, I think the churches are not doing what they need to do in regards, to, and I think they need to get involved from a political perspective and should be involved, and obviously, but in in the right way. And maybe that's the difficulty: how to do it in the right way. Yeah, you know, I agree. Now, I'm speaking as an evangelical here, and I think a lot of the evangelical churches have gone into retreat from the culture and are not engaging the culture and being salt and light, Mm -hmm. you know, as Christ commanded us. And, you know, Christianity is in the evangelical churches focused on my personal walk with Jesus. 
when really Christianity is an all-embracing worldview, and it should not only address issues of our personal walk with God, but influence every arena of the culture, from education to science to ethics to so you know social issues and to government. Mm-hmm. You know, and our founding fathers, many of them were strong believers in Christ, and you can see how they understood Christianity to be a worldview, and that influenced many of the ways they developed in the principles of the Declaration and the Constitution, you know, and the Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the churches are not engaging the culture as they should be, but more in retreat. And they need to, like you said, develop, not only do we have to teach in these arena, but develop the skills in how to go into the business arena, into the art community, into the education community, and into the political arena and engage and be able to articulate their principles and their values in a way that their opponents in that arena are going to listen to them and say, hey, you guys are making sense here. No, you're absolutely right. And, and again, we, we touched upon this earlier in regards to the, I guess, the challenge. I don't want to say it's not complex. It's just a challenge in how we how we communicate, how we articulate, right? A great proverb is, uh, you know, master communication, manage conflict, which is absolutely true. Communication is the key. And I guess that's one of the reasons why they say Trump prevailed. He communicated better. Well, some will say, communicate. He can't communicate. Well, communication is not just always, you know, a, a thing of uh, a theory and a textbook outline. It's, it's communication is just that. Sometimes you and I can, you know, we can communicate with uh, young people, but some other people can't do that. It's just the way we, we address them or maybe the way we look, whatever it might be, right? Communication is, is, uh, takes on a lot of these different, uh, I guess you could say, flashpoints. But you're right. You're absolutely right. It's, it's uh, about how we communicate and, and we all need to get involved more as Christians. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about the challenges you face. What would you say were some of the successes that you had as a lieutenant governor? Well, I will tell you this. I think we did bring, uh, we, we did shine more of a light on our, you know, our Christian values and the fact that we, uh, Christian values are not nutty, <laughs> uh, that they're not, they're not over the, the edge. That's one. But I think also in regards to some of these social issues, we were able to bring after school programs into middle schools almost throughout the, the whole, uh, uh, the whole state. I uh, was able to deal with uh, the drug epidemic. Now, if you recall, back in 2002, when we first got elected, the, uh, the drug at that time was meth, and it was huge here in Hawaii. And I was able to assist in bringing in money to the state so we could develop some new programs. Uh, we, we brought in some innovative uh, programs re- relating to vultures. In other words, vultures in the sense of V-O-U-C-H-E-R, in the sense where they, the, the person who was suffering from the addiction was able to pick and choose through these different vultures which program would be best for them. And I think that was very innovative and huge in that respect. We brought, we tried to, we tried to convene and we did. Initially, we convened every organization, every individual that was involved in the uh, substance abuse and alcohol and the problem that we had here in Hawaii. And we brought a lot of attention to it. I thought that was a great success. We had the momentum going. We had a lot of interest, a lot of passion in it. I don't think it did wane, but, but only because if you don't keep the focus on it, that's one of those kinds of issues where you got to constantly keep, you know, the light shining on it. If you don't, uh, yeah, people will lose sight of it. You'll lose the resources that you need, and that's a big part of it. 
from an economic standpoint, I think we were able to get out there and try to loosen some of the regulations that uh, I'm talking about the, the office of lieutenant governor now, not the Lingo administration, because she did a lot. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Governor Lingo herself, I mean, just as as a, as a governor of the state of Hawaii, she did she did quite a bit. But last and not least is um, some of the work we did in in, uh, in the schools from an educational standpoint in trying to, you know, I guess you could say, break up that bureaucracy that we have there. And um, we did little things, but like I said, we brought in some of the um, programs for after-school care, for middle schools, um, transportation, things of that nature. And, and of course, allowing or letting the parents uh, of, of our students know that you had a voice in, in the lieutenant governor's office. I think the first sentence you said was great, showing that, you know, our Christian values and principles are not nutty. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is absolutely huge mm-hmm. because that's how the media portrays those with conservative or, or especially with Christian values, as you stated, as kind of nutty. So just to show that, no, our principles are sound, they're reasonable, you know, on a pragmatic level, they work, you know, and they're healthy for our culture and our nation. I'm, I think that was just absolutely huge. Yeah, and it showed Governor Lingo, we had a couple of issues in which, you know, you know, we prevailed because of the principles that we had, you know, Christian principles we had on some of the social issues we had. She's not a Christian. She's not an evangelical or Protestant or a Catholic. She's Jewish. But in any event, you know, so we have a, a different ideology in, in, in many ways, but in, in a lot of ways we have the same ideology, right? So anyway, it was very satisfying in that respect. Well, as we bring the show to an end, you know, how can a Christian and, and churches make a difference? Often they have the mentality, well, you know, we're really not going to make a difference here, but really they can. How can Christians well, and, and churches make a that's difference? That's it right there. That's first and foremost. You got to get rid of that attitude that you can't mm-hmm. make a difference. Every vote counts, right? Every person matters. And so first and foremost, you got to, once you get that, once you understand that, in other words, you can say, I'm going to stay, I'm going to, I'm going to understand that I am going to vote because I hate to say it, but there's a lot of people in Hawaii that just don't vote when you only get a 50% turnout. Yeah, 50%. Yeah, that's not very good. Let me tell you, that's not even close to being good. Neither is 60%. Neither is 70%. You might say, oh, 70%. Yeah, it's a lot better than 50, but it's not where it should be. At one point in time, we were at like 90, in the high 90s, almost 100% participation in our voting. We're not even close to that. So that's first and foremost. Second is know again that I believe it that is your God-given duty to get out there and be a part of the process, being a part of initiatives, being a part of having some knowledge in it. So it's not just about voting. It's about actually being knowledgeable. And then most importantly, stay true to your principles. Don't be ashamed of your principles. I see it happen a lot. And I, it, really, it really does disappoint me when I see people backing down you know, well, I, I'm, I'm a Christian and, you know, we, no, no, say it boldly. You're a Christian and this is our beliefs and give them the, re- and as you mentioned many times, it's about articulating it, be able to articulate it. And this is why you listen to people like you and we have our own show going on too, but you listen to people like you so that you can actually engage in the conversation, in the discussion. Yeah. Each person survey was that has about 150 people they influence each person wow does. yeah i didn't know that yeah okay. so you know they saw the average funeral there's about 150 people that come so in your sphere of influence about 150 people so imagine That's if you could yeah articulate a solid reasonable position and win over half 
other people in your sphere of influence. You can see the kind of difference we could make if, like you said, we can articulate and be knowledgeable Mm -hmm. about why we hold the positions we do. And hopefully they're biblically consistent here. And through that, you, you can make a big difference. And this is where your church comes in. I mean, your pastor and your church members, because this is, you know, iron sharpens iron. And this is where you, uh, you engage if you have any doubts or questions. Yes. You've been listening to our interview here on Evidence and Answers with former Lieutenant Governor of Hawaii, Duke Iona, who served for two terms from 2002 to 2010. And so, Duke, thanks for your service well, here you. in Hawaii and the United States. And thank you for being here on Evidence and Answers. Well, thank you for your service. out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold a conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Hey, 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 hey.